0: I was 19 when I had my first orgasm on stage. Now, I know what you're probably thinking at this point. You're thinking, um, what, what am I listening to? <laughs> but it's not what you think. That experience was more than just an orgasm. It was an ecstatic opening, and it was the key the beginning of so much more of everything really keep listening and I'll tell you the rest of that story and how that experience (sighs) changed everything. Welcome to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, where we are empowering an army of artists on the leading edge. My name is Holly Shaw, best selling author of The Creative Formula, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. On this weekly show, we're going to be helping you to excel at your craft and find your edge because it is my belief that your creative mind, open to its own genius, has the power to change the world. Are listening to episode one perform like a shaman. When you're in the audience of a great performance, you know it's great, you feel it's great because you feel like you are in that world with the person on stage or in the movie or, or in the film or on TV. The expression on their face, the energy pouring off of them, whether it's a singer, a dancer, a great comedian, whatever. You're pulled into that world right there with them, totally entranced. You're inside their magic bubble, so to speak. But it's only us performers, the ones you and I who are creating those waves that understand that there's this pure ecstasy of being the maker of that, that feeling of being completely taken over by something bigger than you. And that thing is what keeps us coming back, back to the music, back to the movement, back to our art again and again. And I don't care who you are or what you believe. I feel like that feeling, that thing, is palpably magical. And our role as artists in this magic is one I think we need to reclaim. It's sacred. And I would argue it's shamanic. Being at the helm of something that's so pleasurable, it's almost orgasmic. I was 19 when I had my first orgasm on stage, I was dancing with the live band Salam. So, before the performance, the drummer and I had worked out a drum solo in the middle of the piece, but for some reason, when we got to that part in the performance, instead of playing what we had rehearsed, he played something else entirely. Go figure. Drummers. <laughs> And with the crack of his drum, it was like a lightning bolt shot through my body. And in that moment of that unexpected space, I knew that I had a choice. It was split second, but I had a choice. I could either choke up and freeze or I could ride the wave of this new thing unfolding. And I chose to ride that wave. And when I did, I felt these waves of pleasure that were just started rolling throughout my entire body. My face was hot and flushed with rapture. And it felt like my arms extended to the back of the room. You know, like my arms, like my whole being extended beyond the room. And reached out to the edges of the universe. It was an intensely pleasurable, pure, ecstatic, full body orgasm like I'd never experienced before. Now, I'm not the only one that experiences this. As a coach to performing artists, I've heard, you know, some version of this story before. The mu- musician who feels like a conduit to something greater moving through them when they play, or the dancer that feels the audience jump right when they do because they feel so connected to the audience on a visceral level. And then there are actors that go into trance when they do work that is so deep, it's almost like they they don't even realize what transpired because they're not even watching what they're doing anymore. They just become the character. Mickey Hart, he's the drummer for The Grateful Dead, he wrote a whole book about experiences like this. It's called Drumming at the Edge of Magic. And it had a really big impact on me when I first read it. He spent decades studying the traditions of drums from all around the world in an exploration of that ecstasy, that magic. Now, there are many religions and practices that consider this a sort of communion with God. Sufis call this jazba. In yoga, it's called samadhi. In Buddhism, there are eight different states of trance. In some charismatic Christian faiths, they call this being taken over by the Holy Spirit. Um, In flamenco, this is uh, flamenco music and dance. This is referred to as duende. But for the most part, as actors, musicians, dancers, performers, we don't really have words for this. We don't really call it much or talk about it much, this ecstasy. It's simply a byproduct of what we do. Gabriel Roth, world-renowned dancer and founder of Five Rhythms, a format that leads dancers into trance, she says in her book Maps to Ecstasy, all rock stars aren't shamans. All shamans aren't rock stars. But it's a good place to be for a modern shaman. And the ones out there now are speaking to the planet as a whole. They are songs cut to the universal core. Touch us where we all live. Inspire us. Rock and roll shamans chart the journey with poetry and sound, but mostly with energy. They speak to us below the mind. I've had plenty ecstatic performances since that first one. And of course, orgasms is also, but they're never quite the same ecstatic performances or orgasms. No one ecstatic experience is quite like the other. But in my journey to return to them, in my journey to experience them again, I've uncovered some pretty interesting stuff about how to achieve that transcendent state and about the ingredients that go into that supernatural sandwich. And I'll be sharing more about those ingredients in this episode. Nowadays, I find trance states fairly regularly and easily. As a hypnotherapist, I find trance when I'm working with my clients in trance states. I tend to go into a light trance with them. I feel like I go into some kind of a trance when I'm speaking in front of large audiences. When I wrote my best-selling book, The Creative Formula, I was able to allow more knowledge and wisdom than I personally own to flow through me and onto the page because I feel in some sense I was going into a trance and tapping into to something more than myself. I was a flamenco dancer for 15 years, and I would find myself going into trance often when I danced. Often when I danced. But let me tell you, there have been plenty of non-trance miserable, limp rested performances in my past. Times when I would try to make something happen. Oh, There's nothing worse, right? When I would try to force it by taking my work too seriously. And there have been times when I overplanned for everything and just sucked all the life out of it. And other times that I under-rehearsed and underplanned, and then faltered when I wasn't magically and brilliantly in the moment. There's nothing worse than standing on stage, your upper lips sweating, waiting for the genius to show up, and feeling the audience shift in their seats and inwardly groan. It has taken me years to refine that balance between preparation and spontaneity, but it's been worth it. Not because I'm such a master at it now. You know, I expect this thing to take a lifetime, but that's thrilling to me. I don't want all the answers all the time. No, 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 no. It's worth it because on the way through all of that, I've discovered something way deeper and way better about myself than simply how to perform well or how to prepare, I learned that there is this powerful energy that is longing to play with us. I remember seeing Tori Amos perform for the first time. Tori Amos, the musician, the singer-songwriter, the woman with the piano. I was 16, and I asked my sister, in the concert while I was watching, I said, how old is she? Talking about Tori. And she says, oh, I don't know, like 30, 35. Watching Tori Amos writhe around on her piano bench and twist her vowels into hot, undulating, undulating words, I remember thinking, oh, man, this is the kind of woman I want to be when I grew up. She was magnetic, She was confident and powerful and so sensual, so unabashedly sensual. And looking back now, I can see that also she was totally channeling. Now, in case you don't know, channeling is the communication with a spirit of the living or dead. It's the practice of allowing that spirit to speak through you, either through writing, words, song, movement, thought flow. Abraham Hicks is a really well-known spiritual teacher, uh, channeled through Esther Hicks. And Abraham has said that channeling is actually a natural process done by many people more often than we might think. So it's not as crazy or wacky as it sounds. And there are just certain people that allow it a little more than others, that allow more of that channel to open than others. Now, there's this fabulous video of Tori Amos on YouTube from over 20 years ago. And she describes the sensation of being at the center of all that energy, being a channel.
1: I've never experienced such an amazing sky or an amazing ocean, like the feeling of when the
0: sound is coming through, and I don't know where it's going, and it's totally aligned. It's just right. You know, there's this little silver string that's running off this planet
1: somewhere else, coming down, and it comes down to the little rat head, and it's going right through here and right through there, and... Into the ground. And it goes way in, and then it goes through the earth and somewhere else, and there's this cord running, and I just happen to... It's like lightning. And you just happen to get struck by lightning, and yet you're still singing and dancing.
0: Tori was able to let those stories come through her, through song. And she said in many interviews that rarely is a song, or rarely is a story in the song about her. She's been able to hook in, to those different frequencies and let them shine through her work. As artists and performers, we are like lightning rods to this powerful energy. Something about what we're able to do when we're being creative in the moment allows us to hook up with it so we become conduits, transmitters, at the service of whatever vibrational frequency we choose to seek out and allow to express through us. If energy is butter then we are its knife spreading its deliciousness around and if the world is an adventure then in many ways we're the wacky tour guide with the funny hat and if humanity is evolving which i hope it is then we are we are the creative pioneers Willing to take those roads less traveled and dip our toes into the the weird-looking sand traps of emotional territory. If spirit is the electricity, then we're the lamps beaming the light out into the dark corners. We just need to be willing enough to plug in. When we come back, you're going to find out why two pendulums sitting next to each other that are swinging at different times will eventually synchronize and what that has to do with you and what you're doing on stage. If you love listening to the performers and creators lab podcast, then you should subscribe on your iTunes app. Subscribing is free and you do it simply by the click of a button. And it means that new episodes show up in your playlist and you never miss one. Also, while you're there, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes And hey, listen to this. If you leave a review, good or bad, you'll automatically get entered to win an autographed copy of my book, The Creative Formula. That's right. I'm gonna write a little message in there and take it to the post office for you and everything. So every week after our February 14th launch, I'm going to be picking one reviewer's name out of a hat and declaring a winner. So leave me a review and it could be you receiving that book. Listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast with me, Holly Shaw. Call and leave a comment at 415-870-7064. Again, that's 415-870-7064. Or you can find out more about us on the web at Performers and CreatorsLab.com. Let's talk about entrainment. Entrainment is referring to a natural phenomenon in which one entity resonates with another in synchronicity in response to its dominant frequency of vibration. You want to know an interesting fact from a hypnotherapist? So here's the thing. Trance states will tend to be matched by those around you. So if you're in trance and there's other people around you paying attention to you, they will tend to match your trance. And I know this because every time I put a client into trance, I tend to go into a light trance myself. It's like a side bonus. I allow this. I allow myself to go there because I know that if I go, then they also will follow And I also allow the trance because sometimes I can feel their willingness and focus, and they're actually pulling me into trance, you know, what, honestly, it's a real guessing game on who's doing what to whom in some ways. So when it comes to trance, all I know (laughs) is that we tend to entrain with each other. We meet each other on the playing field of the mind and spirit. So we literally go on conscious or subconscious journeys with each other. Pretty cool, right? Now, entrainment is a concept that was first identified by the Dutch physicist Christian Huygens in 1665, and he discovered the phenomenon during an experiment with pendulum clocks. So he would set them each in motion, and he found that when he returned the next day, the sway of their pendulums had all synchronized. Such entrainment occurs because the small amounts of energy are transferred between the two systems when they're out of phase in such a way as to produce a negative feedback. And as they assume a more stable phase of relationship, the amount of energy gradually reduces to zero with systems of frequency slowing down and the other speeding up that Explanation, All thank you from Wikipedia. So what does this mean for you, creator? What does this mean for you, the singer on stage or the actor or the artist? It means that if you go there, so will the audience. When you have a crowd of people all fixated on you, you up there with the lights pointed at you, center of attention, then you naturally become the most charged person in the room. Now, you can do all kinds of things to dissipate that charge, things that will undermine your performance or create a wedge or a disconnect between you and your audience, and we'll talk about that in later episodes. But if you use that attention, if you know what you're doing and you use that attention, that charge that you're getting and you wield it wisely and continue to foster that connection the audience will naturally entrain with you it's law and that my friends is how we have an ability to take people on a journey there is a shift in reality when you call people to look at your work when you say as an artist look at me or you call in an audience when you even when you just stand up and speak in a crowd there are the beginnings of a transcendent state there there's definitely the potentiality for a transcendent state and people just by listening to you on some level of their being are saying all right we agree to go with you you know maybe we aren't committed to the full ride yet but we will commit to listening to you in this moment the masterful performer whether they want to call themselves a shaman or not, knows this on some level. And they don't take the audience's trust for granted. The masterful performer seizes that moment of surrender, senses it, that moment of willingness and vulnerability, and banks and cashes in on it, so to speak, cashes in on it by stretching it out and using that momentum is potent stuff, which is why it can devour you. You have to grow a certain stamina to endure it, to endure being an artist, not just technical prowess. Of course, you need technique, but you have to grow the psychological, dare I say it's spiritual muscles to endure this kind of creative energy. You know, I remember when I was in college and I was doing acid and shrooms with my friends, Probably a little too much. And I was agonizing over my relationship with my boyfriend. I was anxious a lot and pretty much felt like my life was falling apart. And at that time, a mentor of mine, an old wizard with a long white beard. He called himself a wizard, all right? With a long white beard. His name was Raphael. And he had been observing me do this doing the drugs and totally falling apart. And he spoke to me one day. He said, Holly, are you doing hallucinogens for fun? Oh, no, 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 no. No wonder you're falling apart. You can't do that stuff for fun. That's sacrament. That is potent stuff for seeking. In a lot of ways, I think art can be like that it's sacrament, it's potent stuff for seeking. It makes you see things all differently, just like drugs, and can feel like a ride that's hard to jump off once you're on it. But if you approach it flippantly, it's going to spit you out and make you anxious about everything. The potency of this energy that we are conduits for is evidenced by the very existence of stage fright. That nervousness, it's It's actually all a result of the sheer power of what is running through you as you perform. In my recent interview with actor Jeffrey Wiseman, he explains this so beautifully. So I wanted to use his words.
1: There's an electrical current in the universe. And it's often called different things like the creative process, the influences of, you know, how how do... How do people pick up on these things? And, and when someone really cares, when you have invested months or weeks of, of rehearsals and or your life of training and you're, whether you're a dancer, a singer, an actor, musician, and you're about to go on, you're already accessing that electrical current. Uh, actors like Olivia used to throw up before every performance. Because you're charged with all this electricity, all this energy, and all this emotional investment that you have uh, put in. So, and, and that combination with really caring uh, makes you sick. Until you strike the first chord, or you take the first step, or you say the first line, then now that energy has somewhere to go.
0: The actor Rain Wilson said, The making of art is no different than prayer. I love that. Art, art evolved out of shamanism. It was the shaman or the healer that played the drum, that told the story, that invoked the mysterious and the otherworldly. Have we forgotten our place and our role as artists? Are we losing touch with The art of leading into the dark and ushering into the light. When we compete with each other for gigs or we struggle financially or we argue with our families to go to art school, do we forget that this thing that we want to do is is sacred? When we consume movies and music videos and the show or we go dancing in a club, have we forgotten that this is potent stuff for seeking Art turned into entertainment. Ah, I'm not going to be mad at it. You know, I love to be entertained. But we forgot a piece of what was happening to us. We experience its power, but we don't always honor it. We pay for that incredible rock and roll concert, but we take it for granted that we'll be changed by it. Over time, art has moved from the sacred to the profane, from an experience that we shared and respected and even held with reverence to one that we've commodified and objectified and packaged and sold and streamed and dispersed and traded like Bitcoin to the far reaches of the world. Do we try to return to something long ago, to the way things were? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's not my opinion to ever try to go back But rather, how about we just build upon where we are? How can we use the infrastructure, the technology, the momentum of what we have, which is pretty incredible. Being able to sell your music online, being able to be an independent artist, promote yourself on social media. That's pretty freaking amazing. So how can we use the infrastructure, the technology, the momentum of, of everything that's already been built in order to empower ourselves? I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers. But I think it's important to ask the question. The artist is today's shaman. You know, in preparation for this podcast, I've been interviewing probably, I've um, interviewed about a dozen artists so far over the past couple months, asking them all the same questions. Have you ever had a transcendent experience on stage? What was that like? How do you think that you get there? And (laughs) I've gotten surprisingly very little in the way of answers. I mean, yes, they know what I'm talking about, but the fumble, you know, the fumble for words just is surprising to me. They really come up short in the way of expressing it. Most of us aren't, aren't exercised in expressing that. And I wonder, is this because the experience is simply beyond words? Or is it because that we are so unexercised in expressing ecstasy? We are so well-versed in our culture in the various shades of grief and sadness, depression, anxiety, fear. But ecstasy, pure, unabashed joy, rapture, for whatever reason, we are incapable of expressing our way around it. One of the things I'm doing in this podcast is I'm getting people to talk about it. I think we need more words for it. We need more colors for that rapture and more ways to sync up with it. So I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep prompting, exploring ecstasy, pleasure, the thrill of what we do. It's fantastic. Everybody needs to know about it. And everyone needs something like that. In their lives, whether they're an artist or not. So, in this podcast, we're going to explore this topic even further, talking with inspiring artists who are making this happen. I'll be sharing some of my deepest secrets I've learned about how to take people on a journey, about performance, storytelling, the power of comedy, fun, irreverence, trance, overcoming stage fright, creative blocks, the inner critic, how to get yourself out there, feel safe to be seen, be visible, and unabashedly claim your space and people's attention. And we can't become what we can't imagine. So I'll be talking with artists who are making it, who are the shamans of today. Maybe some of them aren't famous, but they're thriving, working, happy, centered, balanced people doing their work and sharing it with others and making a living at it. You become what you consume, just like good, healthy food feeds you, So does anything else you consume. And so it's my wish to share things that fortify you. People's stories and words of inspiration and advice. And you'll get to be a fly on the wall for some of my coaching sessions with artists who need support, as well as hear my talks with artists who are really making it successful. And sometimes they are both. Actually, Usually, we are all both of these things simultaneously. We are all artists who are making it and artists who could use some support. You are crazy powerful. Do you know that? Do you know how powerful you are? You have the power to change someone's emotional state You have the power to build empathy, the power to bridge worlds by telling a story, the power to even change people's minds by showing them a side to something they've never seen before. I like to think about it this way. One movie can reach millions of people. One movie can weave itself into our social fabric just like that. and ideas for these episodes come directly from your posts and your comments in the Performers and Creators Lab community Facebook group. So be sure to find us and join us there. You can share what you're working on. You can meet some of the guests on the show and get support from me and the other members of the group. Show ideas also come from my amazing team of creative think tankers, Melanie Myers, Erica Milligan, and Hannah Romanowski. And a big thank you to my producers, Q4TA and executive producer, Robert Cholino and Voice America Network. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. And be sure to subscribe so that you can look forward to a new episode every week. My name is Holly Shaw.